Thanks for listening to Hanging With The Sotelos Podcast Con Mama and Dada It's a fast Best day ever, baby. Okay. <laughs> On today's episode, we want to celebrate the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes. By encouraging you to share with your kids, your friends, your loved ones, how your family immigrated to the U.S. Yes. The idea is that by remembering the struggles and sacrifices that others and you have made to be where you're at today, will fill you with gratitude, pride, and hope that there are even bigger blessings to come in your life. By learning and sharing about your origins, it helps you embrace your identity and it allows you to realize that just how your ancestors' actions have impacted you decades later, your actions today will also impact future generations to come. Yes. And I want to share with you my parents' story of how they immigrated from Mexico to the U.S. It's a beautiful and at times painful love story. For my mom being prohibited to marry my father in Mexico to being disowned by her own dad, to my parents picking strawberries for 20 years here in California, to them eventually becoming entrepreneurs. All of this has made me who I am today, and I am grateful for their sacrifice. Janet's parents love truly conquered all, even La Migra. Correle. Yes, it's a legit telenovela of a beautiful love story that was rewarded with the American dream. We'll go into it coming up next. We are grateful to God for allowing us to hang out with you again. My name is your boy, Edgar. This is my beautiful wife, Janet. Hola. Happy Hispanic Heritage Month. It kicks off September 15th all the way to October 15th, although we should be celebrating our culture every day. <laughs> we want to celebrate by sharing our stories with our kids and friends. I think there are too many second and third and fourth generation Latinos, Latinas, Latinx youth that have no idea how or where their families came from hmm. and arrived in the U.S. And I think it's a missed opportunity to really know our history, you know? If you're not Latino, I want to encourage you to reach out to your Latino friends and genuinely find out more about our culture and how you can become an ally to our struggles and what we're trying to accomplish. Trust me, there's more beautiful things to our culture than just our amazing food and whatever the heck you've seen on Narcos on Netflix. There's a <laughs> lot more no, to us. I know, right? <laughs> That's okay. True. Trust me. It's just a matter of taking time to not generalizing and realizing that it's a beautiful culture from all different parts of Latin America. Yeah, and I think that's why it's a beautiful time to be honoring that, the heritage. So yes. I am so awesome, excited to share with you the heritage that I have, where I come from. And La herencia. La herencia, exactly. La herencia que tus papás te han dejado love. The bottom line is, who you are today has been building from many generations ago. True. And it's beautiful to find out about that. 
Love, your parents' love story began even before they were born with a deep family feud in San Pedro Tezistán, Jalisco, Mexico. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> right? Just to give context to begin, your grandfather, Antonio, on your mom's side, so your right. mom's dad, your abuelito Antonio, was just a teenager when he learned to hate your dad's family. Even though your dad wasn't even born yet. My mom or dad weren't even born yet. They didn't even exist. Right. Your grandpa was just a teenager. Correct. He learned that the Beleche family. My dad's side of the family. Was not welcome. No eran amigos. Eran enemigos. Right. And the reason behind it is because the Beleche family had a mariachi. That's part of how they made their living. They used to make equipales, those uh, pigskin chairs. And also they would have a mariachi, my grandfather from my dad's side. And like any band or any mariachi band in Mexico at this time, and even now, you get hired correct, to go sing at parties or serenatas, right, to serenade somebody. Yeah. And the Beleche family mariachi, before your mom and dad were even born, was hired by a man. XYZ man, yes. To take a mariachi to your grandfather's sister. Correct. But it wasn't to sing pretty love songs. It was pretty hate songs. <laughs> it was basically dropping diss tracks on this woman. Correct. Because they had broken up. This guy was hurt by it. He was drunk. And he went to go sing diss tracks to your grandpa's sister in front of his whole family and parents, which was very disrespectful. Right. And imagine like from my grandpa's side, the embarrassment, you know, that that family went through, but also... The need for the Beleche family of, hey, we're making a living here. We, we're getting paid, so we're just going to go sing these songs. Right. They don't even know what songs they're going to sing. It's like they get there and the guy says, hey. Sing such song. Yeah. Toca la chancla. Right. Let me give an example of one of these diss tracks. And I'll translate in a second. This is being interpreted by El Gran Antonio Aguilar en Paz Descanse. No más un orgullo te. So talking about that in the song is just one thing that he has is that he's not going to beg anybody for anything, meaning his ex-girlfriend. And any chancla, which is like an old slipper that you walk around and step on all day, once he throws away a chancla, he's never going to go back and pick it up. Mm, ouch. So basically, this type of music, this song is saying that your grandpa's sister is a chancla and this man threw her away and is not going to pick her up, even though he's crying outside drunk singing mariachi songs to him. Yeah. So obviously, that's kind of what started a feud between your grandpa's family. And my dad's family, Beleches. Los Beleches. Yeah. Then time passed by and my grandpa Antonio falls in love with my grandma, Margarita, Abuelita Mago. And they have kids. They have seven kids. And their oldest is my mom, Imelda. And then time passes again. My mom falls in love with my dad. Who Ar happens to be a Beleche. Arturo Beleche. And then my grandpa immediately does not like the relationship. 
because he's a beleche. This is like old school gangs, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's like Bloods and Cribs. So Los Hernandez y los Beleches, they just don't, they get, just along don't get along in this region of Jalisco, Mexico. Well, it was specifically that fa those families because of what happened with those mariachi and the sister, you know? And yeah. so my mom was around 16 years old when she fell in love with my dad. And my dad tells me these beautiful stories that they would meet escondidas, like secretly at dances in the like town. In uh, el rancho. In el rancho, they would meet secretly, and he tells me that sometimes he would catch her dancing with other men, and he would just break up that dance and be like, con permiso, you know, like just kind of like manly take over. And they had all these cute stories of like, oh my gosh, they really loved each other. And then time went by, and uh, and then eventually my dad asked her to marry him, and she said yes. I mean, they loved each other, so. What's next to ask for her hand in marriage? And at that time in Mexico, you know, el novio or the boyfriend would have to go to the future bride's house with a priest and ask for the hand in marriage of both parents to, to get their approval. And whether the parents approved or not, I mean, that was up to you if you wanted to continue with the relationship or not, right? Yeah. And so my grandpa did not approve of the relationship without even knowing my dad. He just knew he was a beleche, so he did not approve of my mom marrying my dad. But guess what? My dad asked my grandma Mago, and she totally approved. She knew him, how he was, a good, kind, hardworking man. So she approved. But my grandpa Antonio gave my mom an ultimatum. Either you pick him, Arturo, to marry him, or our family. And at that point, my grandpa said, if you marry him, I'm going to take you off the list. What list? This was a list for them to immigrate to the U.S. legally. So your grandpa was basically fixing documents or papers to legally get all of his kids. All seven of his kids. And green cards. Uh-huh. But because my mom chose my dad, chose love, she got disowned by my grandpa. She got cut from the list. Yeah. And your grandfather went ahead and legally got documents for his entire family. Except my mom. Your mom's brothers and sisters. Yeah. And not her. How sad, huh? <laughs> Literally disowned her. Because of my dad's last name. That's so mind-blowing. It's so heartbreaking. Super macho y egoísta, ¿no? Oh, sí, totalmente. My grandpa was macho. Old school. Old school gangster. Like, don't give a crap. That happened and my mom went ahead and got married to my dad. Because it was so unfair that he wasn't supporting this love story, you know, because of his feud, his own problems, his personal problems. Did your grandpa go to the wedding or who ended up actually showing up on the wedding date? It was a very sad wedding, my mom says, because nobody showed up. I From think, her side of the yeah, family? Yeah, I think one of my aunts showed up, the second to the oldest. So my tia Soila, I, I believe she was the one, the only one that went to the wedding. Una hermana de tu mamá. And this is um, secretly. Like, they had to hide things from him all the time. Did Abuelita Mago show up, your mom's mom? She didn't. Abuelita Mago didn't show up to my mom. But she supported the relationship. Totally. But she knew if she showed up... She didn't go because she knew she was going to get into big problems with her husband, my grandpa Antonio. Wow. Can you imagine, babe, being your mom at her wedding date? What's supposed to be one of the most special, beautiful moments of your life? And looking back... And nobody is there from her family except one sister. Why are you making me cry? <laughs> no, because I, we've no, never I talked can't. in depth about this. Mm. But the sacrifice they made. Yeah. Because they believed in their own love for each other. Yeah. And that's why I admire my parents so much. Because 
they've always known that they loved each other and that they were there for each other and they didn't care about the world, you know? They just kept going with what they believed and their feelings. And, and it they brings knew that it was right. Yeah, and it brings tears to my eyes because it's like really unfair what he did, but that you can't change a man's, you know, perspective on that. If that's what he really felt and that's what he was going to do. But you know what? Love conquers all. Did he stop talking to your mom after they got married? Yeah, I mean, he took her off the list and stopped talking to my mom for a long time. I remember hearing this story from your parents, and I know that they decided to immigrate to the United States of America in 1980. Right. I know that they had your brother who was already two years old, Fabian. Yeah. And you weren't born yet, but he was two years of age. It was 1980, and they crossed the border with a visitor's visa, okay. which many of us used to have or have had. Um, but then you just, <laughs> when it expires, you kind of just stay, yeah. you know, <laughs> the quedas de mas. Right. And so it's basically like a, like a permit to come, but you can't really work here. It's not a work right. permit. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a tourist visit right. visa. You're allowed to be in the States legally for six months or a year, whatever it is right. that they allow you to. But then after that, you got to go back. Mm-hmm. And they came to Watsonville, California, which is by Santa Cruz. It's about an hour and a half south of San Francisco. The home of the strawberry. Mm-hmm. The strawberry capital of the world. Yes. And it's a beautiful beach town. Yeah. With tons of agriculture. Yeah. All around. Mm-hmm. From strawberries to apples, raspberries, everything. Apples yeah. close to Gilroy. That's a great the whole area. Mm-hmm. And they start from zero, from nothing, with no help from anybody. Yeah. And they go into the fields and they start picking strawberries. Yeah. I remember I was talking to your dad and your mom. They said they would start at seven in the morning. And go till 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Monday through Saturday. Basically bent over picking strawberries. Yeah. For that amount of time. <sighs> and they did it for 20 years. Yeah. 20 años de trabajar. Imagínate eso. That's a, I mean, I would see my mom come home like crawling. Oh, like in really? pain. Yeah, it was so hard to see her. Love, I know that you enjoy mariachi music. You enjoyed dancing ballet folklorico, mm-hmm. even to the point where you represented Mexico in China right before the Beijing Olympics, and you toured all around China, and your parents got to go with you waving the Mexican flag. Yeah. But I remember, because when I met you in San Francisco, you used to dance ballet folklorico, and I remember you telling me that there was this one dance from a certain region in Mexico where you would have to wear a pañuelo oh, or a, yeah. a bandana. Mm-hmm. You know, Palacate. Those red or blue bandanas. Right. And you said you didn't really like to wear it because it reminded you of something. So my mom, part of her work attire was to put this bandana over her head for the sun, just to keep the hair away from her face, you know, et cetera. The sweat, yeah. The sweat. And so for part of the folklorico dancing, this um, bandana, paliacate, it's used traditionally to wave around with your hand, you know, like a, like, a, like a number eight. And it's almost like a flower. And it's a beautiful thing. And a lot of my dance partners, they would wear it around their head too, like my mom would. So it would, it would strike such a nerve that it would remind me of my parents coming home from work and their hard labor. And I'm like, I can't do that dance. It's, I think it was Nayarit, the dance. And, and it was really hard for me to watch that just to, you know, like I can't put it around my head. I can't put it, you know, even dance with it because it would remind me of their hard work and labor and their sweat love how old were you when you first remember seeing your parents come home from picking strawberries all day and what do you remember what's like your first memory yeah i remember we were in house i used to sleep 
in the in the living room area because our house only had two bedrooms. So my brother had one, my parents had another one. And then I would, <laughs> I would tell my dad, Dad, let's divide the living room so that I can have like a pretend room. <laughs> so my bed was behind the couch and that was my room. You know, like I would pre- pretend like, good night, I'm going to close the door. Voy a cerrar la puerta. Buenas noches. But there was really no even like no curtains, you know. But I remember that I think I was around eight or ten, just them coming home in their little truck, you know. <laughs> oh, so sad. Because they work so hard. Like not in a, not like a sad tear because I'm super proud of them and I'm proud of everything they've accomplished. Can you imagine 20 years working in the strawberry fields? And they save so much money that they bought their own house. They like rent out houses now. <laughs> That's unbelievable. How have those moments encouraged you to become the woman that you are today? A college graduate, a woman of respeto, somebody that's done positive things in your life, with your life. That's a very heavy question. But it all has to do with their unity, their self, you know, respect to each other, their ganas, their, you know. It's okay. Babe. To never give up and to always have faith in what God has for you. And most importantly, like the love that they have for each other. I think they, they never they never hid that from us, you know. The fact that my grandpa didn't talk to my mom for years, it was really hurtful. And I knew that from like early on, like an early, I don't know, maybe I was 10, 12. You would ask about yeah, because your abuelito, your grandpa? Because at that time, my, my abuelita Mago, she was still living with him. My grandparents went together. They were together, and he's always been a macho type of guy. So my grandma would secretly see us. No way. Still, as a grown in Watsonville, yeah. Even when you were around, you were already a teenager, and so you had to see your abuelita secretly so that yeah. your grandpa wouldn't find out that abuelita Mago had a connection with your mom. Correct. And my youngest aunt, she would secretly take my grandma Mago to see us and you know, such house or so-and-so's house. And, and it was like, okay, so where's grandpa? ¿Dónde está el esposo de abuelita Mago? ¿Dónde está tu papá? Because they live probably, what, 30 minutes away from you guys? Near Super Watsonville? close, yeah. And so then those questions started coming up. And then to answer your question, it was like, because of their love of my mom and dad to each other and their hard work, it's allowed me to value what I have and where I come from, you know? Like nothing is easy in life. And I knew that early on. And it just kept me going. And my parents being so open to my brother and I, I think has been the biggest key for my confidence as a woman that I can talk to them about anything. So then that's when my mom would tell my brother and I, this is what happened with, you know, your grandpa. So that's that's how I knew early on, like around 12, 13, that he wasn't around because he took her off the list and because he didn't like the Beleche family. But I knew it wasn't their fault. Right. So it was just unfair. And like, why? And even now, your parents are about to have their 43rd wedding anniversary. And it's one of the most beautiful relationships that I've ever seen. Yeah, me too. I've cool. never seen him or seen them argue at all. That's wild. That's crazy. <laughs> and they're the life of the party everywhere we go. It's amazing. And de la manera que tu papá trata tu mamá still. Like your dad is so in love with her to this day and vice versa. It's it's absolutely beautiful to see love. And they did what was right. They fell in love and they knew it was real. Yeah. And they fought against viento y marea 
everything in this world, even your abuelito Antonio's capricho right. and straight up ego trying to stop them from being together. Now, in regards to their legal documents to be able to work and stay here legally, I know I was talking to your parents about it and they were able to get their green card thanks to President Ronald Reagan who passed immigration reform in the 80s and they had the amnistia. It was called an amnesty because your parents worked in the fields. They were able to apply for a green card right? because they're essential workers, just how they are today. Yeah. You know, nuestra gente que trabaja en el campo, in agriculture, especially during this pandemic and these crazy wildfires that we're seeing all through California and Oregon and Washington. Guess what? The produce at your grocery store is not missing because nuestra gente. Like people like my parents. People like Janet's parents are out there grinding and hustling in the middle of orange Mars-like skies and smoke everywhere just so that you and I can have our vegetables and our fruits and so on and so forth and have something to feed our families. Yeah. They're heroes. Son héroes. Amen. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to announce a really, really cool campaign where we're going to need your help to help support the kids of farm workers. Mm-hmm. And we'll tell you more details. We're working on that right now. Yeah. Uh, coming up in a, in a few more weeks. But returning to your story, love, they were able to get a green card that way. And now they're proud American citizens. Yeah. I think that's why they, su- they supported our relationship from day one. Because of their own love struggle, you know? They were like, if it's meant to be, it's going to be. Yeah. Coming up next, we're going to dive into how is it that after Janet's mom was disowned by her own father, Abuelito Antonio, and even though they lived 30 minutes away from each other in Watsonville, California, it took almost 20 years for him to talk to your mom again, babe. Yeah. And it was all thanks to my wife, Janet, that they were able to talk once again. I love this part of the story. And we're also going to find out how your parents became entrepreneurs after working 20 years in the strawberry fields. Mm -hmm. Demostrándonos que si se puede. It can be done. Hang tight. That's coming up next. I mean, I thank you for being a part of uh, us talking about this very difficult journey of Janet's parents immigrating to the United States of America. Janet was just telling me a few seconds ago, she's like, man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Why, baby? I think it's hitting parts of my memory where I'm like, oh, I'm remembering this. Oh, and this happened. And oh, I remember my mom said this. Oh, my dad said this. And yeah, it's part of me. Right now, we're going to talk about how it is that Janet's mom and her dad finally were able to talk again after he disowned her for getting married to Janet's father and even took her off the list of getting her the legal documents to be able to have a green card and work legally here in the United States and allowed her to suffer as an undocumented immigrant in Watsonville, California, working in the fields and at times running from La Migra, 
corriendo cuando llegaba la migra porque no tenía papeles. When it could have easily been fixed, her father already had gotten the green card and documents for her entire family, except her, because she loved a man by the name of Arturo Veleche, which is Janet's father. And what's amazing to me is how your mom was able to forgive him. But it wasn't until 20 years later after he disowned her and after your parents immigrated to Watsonville, California, worked in the fields for many, many years, and they were able to get their own green card through the amnesty and immigration reform of the 80s. And that's why it's so important, and I just continuously pray that we have immigration reform soon in our time to yeah. help out so many families that are being a positive contribution to our country and deserve more than even other U.S. citizens Correct. to be in this country legally and to not live in the shadows. But it's thanks to you, babe, that your mom and your abuelo, Antonio, were able to speak again. Can you tell us more about that story? Yeah. You know, my mom never talked bad about her dad. That's very clear, like very vivid in my mind. She would share the facts. O sea, she, te, yeah. te dijo como fueron las cosas. O sea. Pasó esto, esto pasó y ya. Tan, tan. Like, but never spoke negative. Wow. So it was a Saturday evening. My dad and I were at a quinceañera. How old were you? I was probably 15. And my mom was working. Yeah, and so she wasn't able to come with us. But um, my dad and I were at this party and... It was a house party, you know, it was fun, and my dad and I were about to leave. We were at the door. It was just you and your dad? Yeah, we just went to say hi. It was like a family member, uh -huh. from somebody from the home, same hometown, and um, I remember vividly, okay? This is like, that's why it's like triggering emotions, because I remember these things. So my dad and I were at the door, and it's almost like everybody in the whole town knew what had happened with my mom and dad, right? We were at the door, like, and then my dad goes, oh, mija, ahí está tu abuelo. You see that man over there, that's your grandpa. Yeah. Had and you ever seen him before? I don't know. I didn't know what he looked like. Get out of here. Yeah, you were no. 15 and no sabias? No, because of, you know, the feud and whatever their drama was. So I had no idea what my grandpa looked like. And so my dad goes, <gasps> kind of freaked out, kind of like, uh-oh, your grandpa's right there. And I was wearing these big high heels and I was wearing a beautiful dress. And I remember I tell my dad, I'll be right back. Wait here. And it was almost like the whole house was quiet, waiting to see what was about to happen because they saw me walking towards my grandpa and my grandpa was surrounded by all these other men his age, you know, compas, friends, whatever. And I said to him, I stand my hand. No, I give him a hug. What? I gave him a hug and I'm taller than him. I mean, I thought he was going to be taller, but <laughs> because I was wearing heels, I was a little bit taller than him. <laughs> I give him a hug. My heart is beating fast right now. I give him a hug and I extend my hand and then I give him a kiss. And he was frozen. I mean, he was like, what? ¿Qué? ¿Quién es? ¿Quién es? And I'm like, hola, soy tu nieta. I'm your granddaughter. <laughs> I said, I'm your granddaughter. And I'm like, soy la hija de Imelda. <laughs> and he had a little, like a cap, like a, like a baseball cap. And he never looked at me in the eyes. Wow. And these men around him were like, <gasps> like scared. And I said, mucho gusto, con permiso. Pleasure to meet you. Please excuse me. But I am your daughter, Imelda's daughter. I I'm just, your granddaughter. And yeah. I just wanted to say hello. I just wanted to introduce myself and see what he looked like. You know, who's my dad's, my mom's dad. What was your intention at that time doing that, babe? 
well, I just wanted to see him. I wanted to see what he looked like. But my dad freaked out because he thought I was going to tell him off or something. Like, who right. do you think you are? Why haven't you talked to my mom? Or I don't know what he thought. But I was like, no, I just wanted to see what he looked like. And I wanted to say hi. And then I went back to my dad. And then we drove home. And I was like, I can't believe that just happened. I mean, I've never met him. And I was like, hola, soy tu nieta. And then I got home to my mom and I told her and she started crying. Why do you think she cried? I think she felt like probably embarrassed, probably like happy. I don't know. I never really asked her. That's a great question. But then later that night, he called her. And he asked her if he can go see her, like to talk to her. For the first time in like 20 years. Yeah. And the next morning he was at her house saying sorry to her for everything he did. Imagine if I would have walked out of that house, like, ah, screw that man, you know? I really felt like my heart tugging, like, I need to go see who he is. And I went, and that changed everything, because the very next morning, he went to my house and said sorry to my mom. Can you imagine this man? He's going to be, I think he already turned 90. (laughs) Can you imagine all his, like, his ego, his, like, macho, like, all these feelings, like, these walls just falling that day that he went to go see my mom, I don't know what crossed his mind. I don't know if he felt embarrassed that he didn't, that what these men around him at that party thought. Like, ¿Cómo que no conoces a tu nieta? Like, how do you not know your granddaughter? You showed her, you showed him that he may have thought he was so macho, but you had more courage than him. Because it took a lot of courage to go show him love when you could have easily told him off exactly and i think people thought i was going to do that people that know the story and people that were there kind of observing the whole situation and my dad because of all the suffering your mom and your dad went through when it could have easily been avoided if your grandpa wouldn't have disowned her yeah and what did they talk about what happened that day that he came to your mom's house and apologized I mean, I was 15. I can't remember what they talked about, but I know that they forgave each other. And I mean, ever since then, he's been a part of our family and he spends Christmas with us. You know, it's I mean, my mom and him talk on the phone constantly. Sometimes I call my mom now and she's like, oh, I was talking to your grandpa. And I'm like, oh, okay." And some of my aunts go, oh, you gave him the kiss of Judah. (laughs) And I'm like, what? I had no idea, but in my heart, I felt like I needed to do that. I needed to say hi to him, and that was it. I didn't know what was going to happen. The reason why it was so easy for her to forgive was... A Dios es lo que le gusta, que uno sea humilde. Y no tenga rencor con nadie. Ni aun con los que te hacen algo. Gracias por ser un gran ejemplo. Gracias, ma. Gracias por siempre demostrarme ser una guerrera en todo y sin miedo. Y gracias porque siempre me has enseñado a, a tomar los, los, ¿cómo se dice? El toro por los el, cuernos. El, el, el toro por los cuernos. Con el amor todo se puede. Amén. Gracias, Ima. El amor atraviesa fronteras. Eso, literalmente. Te amo, ma. También a mi papá. Sí. I love what she said, babe, that the reason why it was so easy for her to forgive was because that's what God does. And that's what God has done with us, is forgiven us. Having that rencor or that anger and that bitterness inside you to not forgive somebody only kills you inside. It only affects you more than the other person. And my mom's always been very happy, very positive. I think that's where I get it. <laughs> Besides once a month, but... <laughs> <laughs> She's very positive, very outgoing. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, how did you not hold a grudge against yeah. your dad, you know? Love, it's amazing how God used you at the age of 15 
as an instrument. And you said something was tugging at your heart to go do this. Mm-hmm. And to me, I feel like it was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Yeah, it was. Saying, hey, go do this. And used you, a woman, <laughs> to show a macho-ass fool from Mexico yeah. what true courage and valentia was. Mm-hmm. And I love that God used a woman and a 15-year-old woman, mm-hmm. a girl, to show more strength and maturity than this macho man. And now, thank God, they have a beautiful relationship. You have a great relationship with him. Yeah. Your mom, your dad yeah, I has mean, a good relationship with him. There was never any issues with them. It was just this one feud that, you know, came yeah. out of nowhere, really. And, you know, all your aunts have good relationships at the same time, it's beautiful to see how your dad treats your mom still to this day with so much love and respect, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's so cool. Que le fue bien, pues. 43 you know? years, yeah. 43 years this October yeah. of them being married. And before we wrap up, please tell us a little bit more of how they made the jump and the leap of faith from working in the fields, picking strawberries yeah, to owning their own businesses. When we were in high school, I think I was in high school, my brother was already in college, and my, my brother said, hey, mom, why don't we go and just drive by Wayne's College? It's like Wayne's Beauty College. And I think he was trying to see what she would feel going into this beauty college and, and try to take her out of picking strawberries, you know? Because at the time, also on the weekends, you guys would make cakes for yeah. parties. What other jobs would you guys do? I had no normal weekends as a young girl. <laughs> So Monday through Friday, go to school. Friday nights, we would bake cakes. And my parents would go to the strawberry fields and worked in the strawberry fields during the week. And then uh, Friday nights, it was baking cakes with my mom, which is fun. And I think that's why I love to bake with the girls. And uh, Saturday morning, it was wake up and decorate cakes. My mom would make these killer cakes, like the ones with the little staircases and fountains for weddings and like old school cakes. And quinceañeras and cumpleaños. So then our our Saturday mornings was always uh, her and I decorating. And then my dad and my brother um, transporting the cakes to the location. Uh And then installing. And then she would give us like 20 bucks here and there. And then Sunday, uh, Sunday mornings, we would go to the flea market to sell clothes because my aunts uh, got my mom into selling clothes at the house. So people would come to our house to buy clothes. El tianguis or swap me stuff. And then on, on Sunday mornings, my, parent, my dad and my brother would help us set up the little booth at the flea market. And then my mom and I would stay there and sell clothes. And, and it's always been in me, like selling, helping, and... It was fun. I didn't see it like we needed money. I didn't see it like we were poor because it was part of our family rituals, you know? And then we would, um, you know, I would hear other friends like going to the pizza, going to the movies, and I'm like, I gotta help my mom. (laughs) But that's why I'm not afraid to work. I'm not afraid to, you know, echarle ganas a la vida porque sé lo que es trabajar. I know what it's like to bake cakes, sell clothes, wake up at four in the morning on Sundays. and The work ethic is instilled in you. And that's what I believe is one of the most beautiful herencias right Right. el mes que celebramos la herencia hispana and one of our most beautiful things about our heritage as latinos as immigrants is our work ethic yeah i mean you see it on the daily many of our latino community instead of asking for money 
on a street corner. Sell flowers. We sell flowers yeah. or oranges or teddy bears, whatever it is. Yeah. And we made it work. We made it work. And it got to the point where my brother and I started getting a little older. We're like, okay, this whole strawberry picking and like delivering cakes and flea market. No. Nah. So my brother was like, mom, let's go to this beauty college. And um, she walked in. She loved it. And she got into school. She learned English. She got her cosmetology license. And I'm so proud of her. And then... Um, Started working at different little uh, hair salons in town. And then finally she bought her own salon. And then my dad was still in the strawberry fields. But then this um, laundromat was getting sold next to her hair salon. So they bought it. And my dad is still running it. <laughs> to this day. The laundromat. Yeah. And I'm so proud of them. And sometimes it was really cute because I would go visit them or help them at work, you know, at the cash register or whatnot. And um they would be having lunch with each other, but in their own <laughs> businesses. And it was like amazing because they were able to work all those years. And, and you know, I can't complain about waking up early, helping my mom. They made it so fun, babe. And they would give us some cash here and there, like to start like our piggy bank. But the best part was that at the end of the year, we would always go to Mexico. We've pretty much been to all the states in Mexico. That's be- awesome. Because of them and traveling. and. But I think that's beautiful that. They never forgot about showing you your roots, your culture. I mean, even as an adult woman, you dancing ballet folklorico, which is uh, the typical and basically it's the national dance of Mexicans, right? Mm -hmm. It's beautiful big dresses and representing different states of Mexico. Right. And that's what I love about you, babe, is like you're teaching that now to our daughters to be proud Mexican-Americans, to be proud Latinas, mm-hmm. to be grateful that they are American. At the same time, they can have this dual identity and they're not battling each other. Right. It's a blessing to be bicultural, to be bilingual, to be able to laugh and enjoy things in one culture and also in another. Yeah. I hope that they get to an age where they still love what I do right now. I don't know if you know this, but sometimes we'll be listening to I don't know, the Jonas Brothers. And then I'll turn it to like a mariachi. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) and then the girls are like, (laughs) so I hope they get to the point where it's not like a mom. What's that? Oh, my gosh, mom. Why are you screaming like somebody stepped on your toe right now? (laughs) I love that. No, but um, thank you, babe, for this moment. Uh, I got really emotional because it really made me think of all the, the, you know, the different stages in life growing up. And I'm so proud of my parents and everything they've accomplished. My mom's retired now and enjoying life. And my dad's still working at the laundromat, but they're enjoying the fruits. And I'm so proud of them. I'm really proud of where I come from. And I'm proud to be Mexicana and and to have married you. (laughs) Because you have a great story (laughs) that I can't wait for you to share. Yeah, we'll definitely share my family's story and how we immigrated to this country. Uh, within this month of celebrating Hispanic heritage. Thank you, love, for sharing your story. I know that you didn't think it was going to be as difficult as it was. Yeah. And that's why we want to encourage you that are listening right now, especially if you're Latino, but even if you're not, share your story of your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, whomever it was that sacrificed a lot for you to be where you're at today with your kids, with the next generation. So that they don't take for granted yeah, what they have today. And also, life is too short. I mean, we've experienced death in the last month, two months ago. And it's not worth having grudges. It's not worth having hatred towards people. It's not worth, like, all those walls you might have up. Right. 
It's just going to make you miserable. And what's the point? We want to encourage you, familia, to remember where you came from, the sacrifices that have been made for you to be where you are today. Remember that you represent more than just yourself. You represent your last name. Beleche, Hernandez, Sotelo, Montes, Rodriguez, Gonzalez, whatever your last name may be. You represent your family, your culture, an entire generation. Just know that even when the world tries to tell you that you are not worth it, you don't matter. It's exactly the opposite of that. You do matter. You are worth a lot. Don't give up on whatever you got going on, on your goals. Don't allow anyone or anything to steal your joy or your peace. Don't allow your parents and your ancestors' sacrifice to be in vain. I especially want to encourage you to register to vote, especially if you are Latino. I want you to know that for the first time ever, more than 30 million Latinos will be eligible to vote. Keyword, eligible. How many is that? 30 million. Wow. 30 millones de Latinos elegibles para votar this November. So please register and please vote. Hi, Ariela. We got to wrap this up because Ariela just walked in from her nap. <laughs> Hi, Ariela. And this makes us Latinos the second largest voting block in the country wow. for the first time in the history of the U.S. So register to vote. Visit votolatino.org, votolatino.org, and make sure you get that on and represent the struggles and the sacrifices of our ancestors. And make sure to follow us on social media, hashtag Los Otelos, or on our website, losotelos.com. Yes, let's hang out, connect with us. We want to hear your stories. We would love to share them on our podcast. Please support us by subscribing, especially on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review, rate it. That helps us tremendously. And remember to love, serve, and celebrate each other and yourself, especially your cultura. Love you. We'll catch you next time. Animo. Thanks for listening to Hanging With the Sotelos Podcast. Good morning, Dada. It's a bad